Alright, so we're in Revelation chapter 17 and we are going to be looking at Babylon tonight. So, one of the things that uh, when I started this study, the one thing that I did not have yet at that point uh, when I started the study is a position on Babylon. And I was just praying that during the study as we went through the book of Revelation, you know, that, uh, you know, Lord would show me what my position should be uh, on Babylon because I really didn't ha- I really didn't have a strong one and so a lot of people have been wondering what my position is on Babylon you know who I think the great whore is and I am going to reveal my position tonight I do now officially have a position uh, of who Babylon is so I you know and somebody's probably going to get mad you know there's different sides and really the three main groups you have you have uh, many people think, believe Rome is Babylon, the Catholic Church. A lot of people believe that over the years. Many people think it's Israel or Jerusalem. And then the United States is another one that a lot of people are looking at. And so, uh, I'll give you my position here in just a moment. I'll officially be announcing my position on Babylon. But anyway, uh, look at uh, let's look at a couple things though before we... Uh, we get real deep in this. So in verse one, notice it says, "And there came out, or there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked to me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters." So, who is this great whore? All right. Now, so far in the book of Revelation, Babylon has not been talked about very much. Um, so right here, and when we get into chapter seventeen. This is when we first start getting a description of Babylon. Okay, it's been mentioned a couple times. We see in the last chapter in verse 17 when it's look, we're looking at the seventh vial, it mentions the destruction of Babylon. So it's announced that Babylon is going to be destroyed in the seventh vial. Um, it was also mentioned in one of the visions where it's kind of uh, hitting the high points of the second half of Daniel's 70th week where it, um, it pronounces the judgment of Babylon. Basically saying, it's coming, there's no getting out of it, the destruction is coming. But it doesn't really do anything in either of those chapters to give us a description of Babylon. It just mentions it, and it mentions that it's going to be destroyed. So when we get here in chapter 17, we are in the seventh vial period. What we're doing is we're getting a very detailed look at one part of the seventh vial. Okay? So, so keep that in mind. Chapter 17 is a detailed look at just one aspect of the seven vials. So, who is that great whore? Alright? And so, I, what I want to do, I want to, in this study, I want to answer who it is in the Bible, but I don't want to necessarily show you who it is today. Okay? So, if you want to know my official position on who the whore of Babylon is, Here's my official position. I don't have one. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean I don't have an opinion. I actually do have an opinion. And I will share that with you at the end of the message. Alright? But my official position on Babylon is I don't have an official position on who it is. And I'll tell you the reason for that. Alright? It's because I'm trying to learn from the mistakes of the previous generations. Okay? I don't want to go and discredit myself by announcing it when the truth is I don't believe it's fully formed yet. Okay? Because for example, I've been reading The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. That man, I mean, it's laughable 
to go back now and read that book, you know, 30, 40 years later. You know, that he tried so hard, you know, to make everything fit that day that they were in. And you know what? And that's what it kind of looked like in that day. But now we go back and we read that book and we think, what an idiot. You know, we shouldn't listen to this guy. Well, you know, just because somebody's wrong on Babylon today doesn't mean they're wrong on everything else in the Bible. But if we go announcing this, you know, this is it, this is definitely it, and then, you know, things change a lot in the next 20 years, then the next generation is going to look back at us and they're going to laugh at us. And I don't, I don't want to throw out everything else that I teach that I know is right. So the truth is, you know, I can have, an, you know, it's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to speculate. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think we need to be really careful being real dogmatic on it. Because, folks, the way things work in the world, things could change very quickly. Uh, the way things are today may not be how they are even a year from now. One major event can change things in a big way like we can't imagine. One nuke getting dropped. You know, one war, it can change the makeup of everything. So I don't think we want to get be too quick to just announce something like that when we're clearly just not there yet. Okay? Because, uh, well, I'll say more about that when I give you my official opinion. All right? And he said, I've got opinions about everything. You know, it's okay to have opinions and stuff. But I don't necessarily want to preach it like it's a fact when I don't know. But my official position on Babylon, I don't have an official position on Babylon. So if somebody wants to come here and preach for me that believes that the Catholic Church is a great whore, okay. I don't like the Catholic Church either. You can believe that. Or if they think it's Jerusalem, I don't care. Or if they think it's the United States, I don't care. Either either way, and I just... I don't think it's it's clear enough that we need to be dogmatic on it. So I'm definitely not breaking fellowship with anybody over it. But anyway, I but I don't want to discredit myself. I said how Lindsay looks like an idiot. You know, uh, John Hagee. Okay, that man he made a fool out of himself over the whole blood moons thing. Okay, and what did he do? He tried to just force history and everything to just fit with this stupid you know blood moon tetrad thing that he came up with. And you know, the man ought to have been shamed out of the ministry after the big deal he made out of that and nothing happened. Literally, nothing happened. Now what they're probably going to do, alright, you know, in revisionist history, you know, five, ten years from now, or it was around the time of the last tetrad of blood moons that they ended up making Jerusalem, you know, the you know, capital or the the United States moved their embassy to Jerusalem. You know, they'll 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 tie that in because it was roughly in that time era, give or take a few years. You know, so it's garbage. You know, and many many other people like that throughout the years have made themselves look like fools because they did. They just declared stuff prematurely because they just wanted it to be that time. And you know what? I want the Lord to come back in our time in this generation, just like the last generation did. But you know what? He might not. So I got. I can't just go. You know, saying it's all in place. I don't think it completely is. So, uh, so let's let's keep look uh, at a few more things. So in verse two, says talking about Babylon, it says, "With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made uh, drunk with the wine of her fornication." Now let's go back to Jeremiah chapter fifty-one 
because this is pretty familiar what's been said about Babylon here. This is something that shows too that Babylon it's something that's you know yet to come, but it's something that's been around before too. Okay? Now I believe in this passage here that we're going to be looking at, this is referring to Babylon back in Jeremiah's day. Because it was in Jeremiah's day when Israel got taken captive by Babylon. But I definitely believe there's kind of a dual fulfillment here like many Old Testament prophecies have. Look what it says in verse 6. Flee out of the midst of Babylon and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her a recompense. Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her? Take balm for her pain. If so be, she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let us go everyone into his own country. For her judgment reacheth unto heaven and is lifted up even to the skies. And then down verse 13 it says, O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come, and the measure of thy covetousness. So, I mean, that passage right there, it sounds a lot like what we see in Revelation chapter 17. So there's no doubt Babylon, it's something that's been around before, and it's something that's going to be around again, or it's going to rise again. And so, the first thing, though, noted about Babylon in Revelation is that she forced kings to fornicate with her. Okay, that was mentioned in Jeremiah. That is mentioned here in Revelation. Alright, she, she did, she forced nations to commit fornication with her. Okay? Now, what does that mean exactly? Because I think when you look at that and what it means, it gives you a really good idea of what Babylon is. Okay? And it will kind of point you to certain things today too. Alright? But let's try not to do that. Alright? Let's try not so much right now to focus on, you know, Israel, United States, or Catholic Church. Try not to do that, okay? Let's just talk about Babylon as it is in Revelation, okay? And Babylon as it is in Revelation, this is a, a group or this is a, a system that has forced kings, has forced nations to commit fornication. Okay, now what does that mean to get them to do that? Well, in Revelation 14, verse 8, it mentions there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Okay? So notice that how she's forcing nations. Alright? So Babylon, it's a system that forces nations to participate in things that they don't want to do and that they shouldn't do. Okay? What does that look like? Alright? That, you know what? Nations ought to be independent. Nations ought to be sovereign. We should hate, we should despise, we should be disgusted by things like the United Nations that try to force other nations to do things that they don't want to do. We should be disgusted and we should despise our nation when it tries to force other countries and other nations to do things that they don't want to do. When we try forcing other nations to have democracy like ours. Okay? So well, our, our, our nation is good. You know, we, I like our democracy. I like our constitution. Okay, fine. We like it. But you know what? Maybe other countries don't like it. 
Maybe, maybe they want a dictator. Maybe they want Sharia law. Yeah, but those things are bad. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's between them and God. That's between them and their people. And you know what? You can like our country and how we do things, but you know what? Do we really think we have any moral authority to tell another country what to do when we have abortion? When we have gay marriage? We have zero moral authority to be telling any other country what to do. And Babylon is one that forces kings to commit fornication. And so I'll say a little more about that, what it looks like here in just a second. But look at verse 4. It says, And the woman was arrayed, or verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman, that's Babylon, sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Alright? So this beast that has seven heads and ten horns, what is this beast? We saw a beast earlier with seven heads and ten horns. And what was it? It was the kingdom of the Antichrist. Okay? So the kingdom of the Antichrist and Babylon are two different things. We need to keep that in mind. They're not the same thing. But this this beast with seven heads and ten horns, this is clearly the Antichrist kingdom that we saw. I forgot what chapter it was exactly. And the woman, there's a woman that's sitting on it. In verse 4, "...and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornications." Alright, so whatever this is that she's making other nations do, this wine that she's forcing them to drink and getting them drunk on, okay, that is something that God sees as an abomination and just filthy. God is clearly disgusted by what this woman is doing and what she's kind of uh, what she's kind of forcing people into. Now, there's a lot of speculation that goes into this vision too. Mentions the woman sitting on the beast. You know, Dave Hunt's got his book, "The Woman Rides the Beast." You know, the woman's riding that shows she's the one in charge. Alright, she's kind of controlling things. But, you know, I personally think it, you know, it could mean that. I don't think it has to mean that. Alright, I think it could just show how they work together. You know, it would look weird to see a beast with seven heads and ten hordes riding on the woman's back. Alright, people don't usually do that. I think it just kind of shows how they work together. But they're two, they're clear, they're clearly two separate things. Alright? But I do. I just think they. I think I personally think they just work together. Is what we see him doing here. So what is this? In her hand, this cup of abominations of filthiness of her fornication. Well, look at Daniel. Let's turn over to Daniel chapter nine. I personally believe that these are the deals and the covenants that nations have been forced to participate in. Okay, she's making nations do things. Okay, forcing them to do things that they don't want to do. Now, the Antichrist, we know he's going to be doing, you know, causing a lot of covenants. We know he's going to be making a lot of deals. It says in Daniel 9.27, "...and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate." even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So notice, um, you know, for the overspreading of abominations, this covenant He's confirming with many. 
Okay, it is for the overspreading of abominations. Okay, I personally think that Babylon is greatly used to help give the Antichrist power. I, I know that. We're going we're to see more about that in a little bit. But when the Antichrist rises, all right, who is establishing this kingdom, which is that beast with the seven heads and ten horns, there is going to be Babylon, or there's going to be this woman that's helping give him power, that's helping him you know, get what he wants done. And I believe Babylon is going to be behind that. And and Babylon is going to be used to force nations into these covenants. And you know what? There's going to be nations that don't want to participate. But you know what? Notice how it mentions Babylon, how she's just arrayed in all these expensive things. Right? She's very prosperous. One of the things that they will probably use to get nations to participate is they will offer them money. Okay? You know, we all ought to be a little nervous and we all ought to be scratching our head and we all ought to be disgusted, alright? I'm not trying to reveal a position or anything here, but folks, when our country is just giving millions of dollars to other countries, we ought to have a problem with that. Okay? We ought to have a huge problem with how much money our country gives to Israel. Think about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Our country gives millions to Israel. And you know what? The Fox News Baptists love that and that makes me sick. You know, It makes me sick that Fox News Baptists, these Zionist Baptists, are so pro-Israel, they look at them like a stinking good luck charm and they're up for it because they think that's why God's blessing our nation. Because of how good we are to Israel. Man, God is merciful to our nation. He's merciful to you for not striking you down for being a stupid idiot and thinking that way. Okay? We ought to be disgusted with that. It's morally wrong. I mean, to take our tax money and give it to other nations like that, and, and nobody cares. You know, they'd care if they gave it to Palestine. And you know what? I'd be mad if they gave it to Palestine too. And you know, and these morons, they want to get all bent out of shape. Because Pastor Anderson wore a free Palestine t-shirt to a Sony marathon to Muslims, and they try to say that. Keith Gomez said it from the pulpit that he's funded by Hamas. And the evidence, I asked him the evidence on that. He wore a free Palestine t-shirt in Dearborn, Michigan. These morons, these Fox News Baptists that think they're informed because they watch Fox News, they don't even know what the free Palestine movement is. The Free Palestine Movement is basically a movement that tries to get the United States to stop giving money to Israel. You know what? I'm for that. I am totally in favor of that. I wish we never give them another cent. But just the just the stupidity, all right. And I'm sorry I went off on that rant there, but it just you know we've got it. It is wrong. It is wrong for us to force other nations into things. How would we feel if some other country came in and forced us to do things? All right, do, we want, do we want China to come in here and to force us to stop abortions? Listen, I'd love to see abortion go away, but that's not how it should be done. You know, if another nation came and just bombed the tar out of us and took us as slaves you know, because we're so stinking barbaric, 
that we uh, we kill our babies and we let homosexuals run free in this country. Listen, we deserve that. They would probably have moral superior, superiority of us. I don't know what nation would do that. But you know what? That's not how it should be done. Okay, I, And I don't want that to happen. But you know, our, our country, if, if, or the, you know, many Baptists, if they were consistent, they should be cheering for our nation to be taken over by another nation. But no, we need to deal with these things in-house. What we need is revolution part two is what we need. We need civil war part two. Uh, but anyway, that's another subject for another day. Look at Daniel 8.25. Says and through his policy, also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. So his policy is going to cause craft to prosper. There's going to be things that are going to go well because of what he does. He's going to magnify himself in his heart. But we see that the antichrist, he is, he is going to be forcing nations into things. And you know who's going to give them the clout to do that? You know who's going to be instrumental in giving the Antichrist everything he wants? Babylon. Okay? Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. These are all these are all important things that I think about when I come up with my opinion of Babylon. Okay? So look at verse five of Revelation seventeen. It says, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So right here, this is one of the main arguments that people use to prove that Israel is the great whore or Jerusalem. Alright? Now, Something we need to understand about this, all right? When it comes to, uh, you know, who God names people, and I've talked about this before, God does not name people based on their physical descent, all right? Read Galatians 3 and 4, the forbidden chapters in the Zionist world. People are not named based on who they physically descend from, they are named based on their works. Okay? You have to keep that in mind. But turn over to Matthew chapter 23. So, because this woman is drunk with the blood of the saints, that that is the main thing people use to credit Jerusalem for it. But look what it says in Matthew 23:29. It says, "Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garners the sepulchres of the righteous." And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Okay? Now, in this case here, they literally were the children, physically, of those who killed the prophets. But Jesus was not calling them the children of those who killed the prophets because of their DNA. It was because of their works. They were doing the same things. Just like Jesus told them, I know you're Abraham's seed, but then He turns around and says, you're not Abraham's seed because you don't do the works of Abraham. Okay, So, whoever is killing the prophets are the children, or whoever is killing the saints 
are the children of these people here. Okay. Now, does Jesus name this group here Jerusalem? Well, uh, we'll look at we'll look at some more of that a little bit later on too. But look at verse seven of Revelation seventeen. It says the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her, <clears throat> which had seven heads and ten horns. So right here were the angels explaining the mystery of the woman. Therefore, it is no longer a mystery. Okay. Now, now think about that. People like to talk about mystery Babylon, but the Understand, the mystery has been revealed. Okay? So, say, well, then shouldn't we know who Babylon is? No, not necessarily. We don't necessarily need to know, you know, especially for the last 2,000 years, people didn't necessarily need to know who it was going to be, what was going to be the geographic location of Babylon, but they did need to know, you know, who who it was, what she was going to look like. And so, we are about to see that. So that's why so I, want, I want us to kind of for right now forget about all the theories out there and to figure out you know, which one fits. Okay, Let's just focus on the revealed mystery of Babylon. This is what she is going to do. This is what she is going to look like. She is going to force nations into deals that they don't want to do. Okay, she, She's going to force people into those things. And then he's going to go on and he's going to kind of give some more detail on here. Now we've covered some of this stuff before, but I'm going to I'm going to repeat it again because it's it's mentioned in this chapter. Right now he starts talking about the the system of the Antichrist or the Antichrist kingdom. Look at verse nine. It says or verse eight, the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life. From the land, um, not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they beheld the beast that was and is not and yet is. That is a reference to him dying and rising again. When it's saying he was and is not, means he was and then he was not. He was dead, but yet is. Therefore, he is alive again. Okay, we talked about that before about the resurrection of the antichrist, and it says in verse nine. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Okay, now we talked about this too. I believe this is a reference to the seven world kingdoms, and you could even put kings that were kind of the main ones. Um, but you know, I'm not going to really cover that. But I believe it was it's a reference to the seven world kingdoms that there has been. You know, we have Egypt was the first one, Assyria was the second one, then you have Babylon. Then you had the Medes and the Persians. Then you had the Greeks. And then you had Rome. Okay, And then the seventh is going to be the kingdom of the Antichrist. Or the Antichrist himself. Verse 10, And there are seven kings. Five are fallen. One is, that was Rome at that time. And the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. That's the Antichrist. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. That is a reference to the resurrection. Why is he known as the seventh and the eighth? Because the seventh is going to be an actual man 
just like all the other kings were. You know, you got Alexander the Great, you've got Nebuchadnezzar, you know, Sennacherib, I think was one of them. People like that. You have, but then the Antichrist, it's going to be a regular person that's got a mom and dad on this earth. But when he dies, I believe when he resurrects, he will be inhabited by Satan himself. And that is why he is referred to as the eighth, because it looks like the same guy that was there before, but it's not really the same guy that was there before. It is Satan himself. And so that I believe the eighth king is a resurrected Antichrist. It will be Satan. Verse 12, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Now folks, this, this part right here just, I don't know, this is where it gets really hard for me to just not say, I'll tell you what Babylon is and I'll tell you who, you know, I'll tell you who the Antichrist kingdom is, alright? I do have an opinion, but I said, it, I, I don't have an official position, alright? But, it's very clear that this kingdom of the Antichrist that's going to form, it's going to have ten kings. All right, there will probably be the world will probably be split up into ten regions or whatever. This kingdom, all right, or this this group, these ten kings are going to give all their power to the beast. Okay, is it okay if I use a carnal illustration? All right. Y'all aren't going to get offended if I do that. Alright? Can anybody think of a movie where uh, all the leaders got together and they granted temporary power to one guy? What's that? No. Emperor, Emperor Palpatine on Star Wars. Yeah, one ring to rule them all. You know, all all the movies do the same kind of thing. All right, y- y'all 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 are laughing. All right, you're you're not the only one that knows about this stuff. Okay, or I'm not the only one. All right, but you know they do they they all grant that. And then what do they always do with it? All right, what what happens whenever you give one guy all power? All right, he never gives that power back without a fight. All right, it's just not going to happen. And you know what? It's almost like, you know. The devil's been prepping everybody for this kind of thing. It's, it's what they all do. But you know what? Even the movies make it out to be bad when it happens. But it's it's still going to take place, all right? And these ten kings, they're going to have, they're going to, they're finally going to get their power. But then what are they going to immediately do? They are going to agree to give all their power to the beast. Now this is just opinion. This is if I could just speculate a little bit here. I personally believe Babylon is going to be used to once again to kind of the Antichrist is going to kind of be a leader in charge. But these deals that the Antichrist is making, ultimately what it's going to do, it's going to produce a world where we're divided into ten regions with ten kings. But one thing that they're going to do, Babylon's probably going to make this happen. All these kings that they're talking to in their backroom deals, they're going to tell them, now listen, we're going to make you king. Alright, you're going to be a leader over this region. But there is one thing we need you to do. We need you to give temporary power to our guy, whoever he is. All right, Nikolai Carpathia. That's who it was in the Left Behind books. All right, all right. You know, you, you need to do it, but don't worry. He will use that power to speed up this process. But then, once it's done, you're going to get your power back. All right. And of course, that is not going to happen. And you know what? Most of these guys will probably be smart enough to know it's not going to happen. But guess what? 
They're going to do it. Why? Because they're going to be forced to do it. By who? By Babylon. Babylon is going to make sure it happens. Babylon's going to make sure these guys all get in line and do what they're supposed to do. And so, they're going to all have one mind. They're going to give their power and strength to the beast. So this final kingdom is going to have ten separate kings, but they're going to give all the power to the beast. Okay, And so it says in verse 14, "...these shall make war with the Lamb." And the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with them are called and chosen and faithful. I believe this is a reference to the Great Tribulation where the Antichrist makes war with the saints. I think that's going to be the first thing. I, I, I think the way the timeline goes and everything here, once again, I believe that He is going to resurrect right before the abomination of desolation. I think, when he, I think he will be given that power around the midpoint because at the midst of the week, it mentions that in Daniel chapter 9. It refers to the midst of the week when it talks about him confirming a covenant with many. I believe around that time is going to be he's going to resurrect when these ten kings are going to form. They're going to give him that power. He's first thing he's going to do, he's going to go into the temple. He's going to commit the abomination of desolation. He's going to declare himself to be God. And then he is going to make war with the saints. And I believe that's what he's talking about when it's saying um, these shall make war with the Lamb. Okay? What better way to go after the Lamb than to go after His people? In fact, that's the only way they can go after Him. That's the only way they can make war with Him is to go after His people. So His first order of business, once He declares Himself to be God in the temple, He is going to come after us. Okay? But at the end of the day, God's going to win. The Lamb's going to win. He's going to overcome them. Doesn't and I talked about this before. Doesn't mean you know me personally. Doesn't mean I might not get killed. But you know what? My team will win. There's no doubt about that. I might not make it through everything, but my team is going to win. So verse 15, and he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So Babylon, all right, this this great horse, she sits on many waters. She's all over the place. Okay, she's like that strange woman who's loud and stubborn, and her feet abide not in her house. Spoiler alert: What country can't seem to stay in its own borders? All right, reminds me of something right there. We're allowed, so we can't stay in our own country. We've got military bases all over the world, and we. I'll get in that a little bit. Sorry, I'm just that I don't know, that, that just reminds me too much of some things. But verse sixteen. So the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, okay, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill His will and to agree. And give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Alright? So notice, once again, the Antichrist kingdom and this whore, alright, and this vision, you know, the, the woman sitting on the beast. They work together. Okay? She is what is used to give the beast his power. But notice the kings of the earth, they hate this woman. Alright? Maybe it's because she's been making them drink the cup of fornication. You know, maybe it's because she, they've been forcing her, forcing them 
to do things for a very long time. And but notice this hatred that they have. It's something that God put in their heart. Why? Because God wants to use them to destroy, to destroy Babylon. And so it, this passage makes it very clear that the woman that put these people in power will be hated. Uh, they're going to hate her, and they're going to destroy her. You know what? You know what this is showing me? These nations, okay, and the Antichrist, they used this woman to get what they want only to just discard her later. Now, is that not exactly what people do with whores? Okay? They use them. Alright? But they don't love them. They will use and abuse and then discard. They get what they want from them and then they set her aside like a piece of trash. And that's what these kingdoms, the kingdom of the Antichrist, is going to do with this woman that gave them what they wanted. You know, she was she was the one that had the clout. She was the one that had the riches. She was the one that had the influence. And they're gonna that woman is going to be used to give the Antichrist the power that he needs. He, this woman is going to be used to force nations to make all these deals that will give one man absolute power. And then once they get what they want, the first thing they're going to do, alright, we got what we wanted from her, now let's end her. Let's finish her. And she's going to be destroyed in one day. We'll see more about that when we get to the next chapter. So, the three main views of the great whore, of course, I mentioned are the, you know, the Catholic Church. And for centuries, people have thought it was the Catholic Church because, you know, and for years, they even called the Pope the Antichrist. Right? And, you know, there's a lot of reasons to think that. I mean, he literally calls himself the Vicar of Christ. I mean, he, the Pope literally is an Antichrist. He, there's, there's no doubt about that. You know, and there's no doubt he has a ton of power. There is no doubt that for centuries the Catholic Church has been very influential in politics, in forcing uh, you know kingdoms to do certain things. There is no doubt that the Catholic Church is dripping with the blood of martyrs. There is absolutely no doubt about that. I mean, a bloody, bloody city. Is Rome? There, there is no two ways about it. Okay, but think about this for a second. So, the Catholic Church—I mean, very guilty of the blood. So, is Rome now? Who is guilty of the blood of the martyrs, or is was Rome and you know is Rome a just being a child of Babylon? Because it's not about geographic location, is it? It's about the works. Okay. Babylon is guilty for the blood of the martyrs. Could it be that there has always been a Babylon and that for centuries it was Rome and the Catholic Church? You know, either, either way you look at it, they were definitely children of Babylon. No doubt about that. Notice Babylon is the mother of harlots. A lot of people called the Catholic Church, you know, the great whore and then all the breakoffs of the Catholic Church, the harlots. Maybe. The Catholic Church is just one of the harlots. You know, I, I don't know. But I can see why people would think it's a Catholic Church. And you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna penalize somebody 
uh, for having that opinion. If you want to think the Pope's the Antichrist, I'm not going to penalize you for having that opinion either. I, I don't agree. I, I don't think the Pope and the Catholic Church has a ton of clout now. But you know, what's to say that they won't in the future? Once again, things could change drastically in, in the world. We, I, I, don't, I don't know. So I wouldn't rule it out. It very well could be. So the other the other opinion out there is Israel or Jerusalem. And the main argument is that Jesus credited them for the blood of the martyrs. Look what it says in Luke chapter 13. In Luke 13, verse 31, it says, "...the same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected." Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. It cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Makes makes it sound like Jerusalem is the only one that can kill the prophets. It says in verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings? And ye would not... Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So right here he says it's Jerusalem that kills the prophets. Okay? He had said that before in Matthew chapter 23. Here he said, I mean, a prophet can't be killed outside of Jerusalem. Okay? So when Rome was killing all these martyrs, was that Rome or was that them being Jerusalem? Because once again, it's not about who you descend from physically. It's not about a geographic location. It's about the works that you do. So here, Jesus is crediting Jerusalem for being responsible for the blood of the martyrs. Even credited them for the death of, or the blood of Abel. Okay? Abel was killed before there even was a Jerusalem. Yet they got credited for it. Why? Because Jerusalem is the capital of martyr killers. So, you know, can you see why people think it's Jerusalem? I, I've got no problem with that. I mean, that, I think that verse is, is pretty telling right there. The other uh, one is the USA. All right, now, how many is going back and forth on what I think it is as I go through each of these? It's like, you know, I think it's Catholic Church. Uh, now I think it's Jerusalem. Well, the United States. All right? The US, United States, it is the superpower of the world right now. There's no doubt about that. The you know, United States is all over the world with this military. You know, the United States is the world police. Okay? There's, there's no doubt about it. And you know what? We're hated because of it. Okay? We are hated because we are sticking our nose in everyone's business. Which kind of sounds like what Babylon is going to be doing. We are making nations drink a cup of fornication, forcing them into deals. You know, and, and, and how do we force them into a lot of times? You know, through giving them money. Always giving all these nations money. It's it's just disgusting. How involved we get in other nations' affairs. It is not right. It is wrong. It is immoral. It is wicked. It is 
of Babylon when we do that, and we ought to be disgusted by it. We should not be proud of our country when, you do it, when she's doing these things. We should not be singing, I'm proud to be an American, and pledging allegiance to the flag that is flying all over this world in places where they don't want it being you know, flown. We, we need to respect the sovereignty of these other nations. Just like, you know what, I don't ever want to be flying a Chinese... I don't want Chinese flags flying over our country. Or North Korean flags. Or Russian... I, I, I don't want that. Okay? This is not Russia. This is not China. This is the United States. And you know what? We need to show the same kind of respect to other nations. Well, what if their leaders are wicked? Then you know what? Their people need to deal with it. Just like we dealt with it in 1776. Is what we need to do. And we need to make sure we remain in a position where we can deal with these things for our country gets out of control and we better never let them take our gun rights away. We can't let that happen. We are going to need those things one of these days. If the Lord tarries is coming, we are going to need our guns. Why? Because there's going to be a battle. And you better, you better fight to hang on to those rights. So, you know, a lot of reasons to think it's any of these three things. Right? I have no problem with anybody having uh, a position in any of those things. I officially do not have an, a position because things could change. Right? I don't know, but I do have an opinion. I do think it's appropriate to speculate. It's okay to speculate. This is one of the ways that it helps us kind of keep watching. It helps us to keep studying. All right. But if we, we don't want to go so far as to announce that this is what it is and then get in heated arguments about it. Because if I do, if I just take this strong position that it's, you know, United States or it's Jerusalem, I'm going to be, I'm going to end up ignoring certain facts that might be relevant because it doesn't help my agenda. I might ignore certain scriptures because, you know, I got in an emotional dispute with another guy. And, you know, I can't let him be right. So, you know, now all of a sudden I'm ignoring certain facts. Listen, I want my vision to be clear when it comes to this stuff. Because when it does surface, I want to know what it is. I want to see it coming. So I don't want to, I don't want to end up putting on any colored shades. Alright? So that's kind of why I have the position I do. But in my humble opinion, alright, I think it is very likely that Jerusalem will be the seat of the Antichrist and the seventh mountain. I think often people they look at certain things with the Antichrist and they mix it up with Babylon. They look they look at things with the kingdom of the beast and they mix it up with Babylon. For example, what are and this is speculation, alright? I'm not preaching anymore, I'm speculating right now, okay? Sermon's over. What are these names of blasphemy that are all over this beast with seven heads and ten horns? What are these names of blasphemy? Can you, if you look at the political parties over in Israel, I, most of the they have a whole bunch of political parties. It's not like in the United States where we only have two. All right, they've got they have several, and a lot of them have the names of God somewhere in those those names. Would we not say that is blasphemy? Alright? When they're calling these things of God when they're not, that would be blasphemy, wouldn't it? 
And so, I mean, I don't know. That's just, you know, that's just some speculation. But uh, I believe this kingdom is going to be the seventh mountain. And I believe the U.S. will be the whore that will give power to Jerusalem. And isn't it interesting that we are the number one Zionist promoting nation? We are Israel's number one ally. We give them money like crazy. Why? We're treating, we're treating, you know, we're, we're just, we're acting like a whore. We're using our riches and all these things to get Israel to do the things that we want her to do for now. You know, and the thing is, and eventually we're going to end up giving the power. And notice what it says in Revelation 17.9. Remember it says, and here is the mind of Seth Wisdom, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Okay? So the seventh mountain, remember it's, it, this isn't Rome, the city of seven hills. No, the seven mountains is a reference to the seven kingdoms. Well, there's going to be a seventh kingdom. What is the seat of that kingdom going to be? I believe it's going to be Jerusalem. That's where the Antichrist is going to commit the abomination of desolation. And look what it says in Daniel chapter 2 in this image, this vision of, uh, from Nebuchadnezzar's dream of this statue. And, we, and we've talked about what that represents, alright? It had all the different, you had the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, and then the feet with the ten toes. Alright? The ten toes that's mixed with iron and clay. Okay? That represents the kingdom of the Antichrist. Everyone agrees with that, alright? Across the board, even pre-trippers agree with that. Daniel 2.34 says, Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. This was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. Okay? So this seventh mountain is going to be the seed of the beast. I believe that's going to be in Israel. I think the headquarters is going to be in Israel. In Jerusalem. I believe that is where the kingdom of the Antichrist is going to be. And notice that this stone that's cut out without hands, everyone agrees that represents Jesus Christ. It smites the feet. It hits the kingdom of the beast. And then it grows into a mountain that fills the whole earth. And where is Jesus going to rule from? When he in his kingdom, he's going to rule from Mount Zion, and that's another reason too why I don't think that Jerusalem can be Babylon because Babylon's never going to be inhabited again. But we know that Jesus Christ, he is eventually going to rule from there after he destroys the kingdom of the Antichrist. Y'all see? Does that all make sense? And so. I personally think what's happening with a lot of people who are on the Jerusalem side, I think they're getting things with the Antichrist and with the kingdom of the beast mixed up with Babylon. And I can see why, because they work so closely together. But we've got to understand that Babylon is the one that gives the woman her, or the Babylon is the one that gives the beast his power and his kingdom. And folks, I mean, when it comes to giving Israel what they want, okay, the United States moved its embassy to Jerusalem. Why? 
Because they, everybody knew if we did it, why was it so significant? Because if we recognize them as the Jerusalem as the capital, all the other countries will too. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting how we are trying to get all the other countries to do what we're doing when it comes to Israel, when it comes to Jerusalem, and the five, that, and plus that final battle too that's going to be fought at Jerusalem is or that final battle it's going to be fought at Jerusalem, not Armageddon. It's going to be fought at Jerusalem. Okay, what is that? Jesus is coming after the kingdom of the beast and his headquarters. He is going to smite him right there at the feet, and then his kingdom is going to grow throughout the whole earth. Does that not make perfect sense? All right, that's just opinion. That's how I think it's going to happen. I think that the headquarters, the kingdom of the beast, is going to be in Israel. It's a focal point of the world. But I believe the United States, the superpower of the world, is going to be very instrumental in giving Israel everything they want only so that Antichrist can take over the whole world. He's going to get all those other kings on his side and then guess what they're going to do with us? I personally think they're going to nuke us into oblivion. Now, thankfully, we won't be here for that. Okay, But that's... That's personally how I think it's going to play out. And so we'll say more about that next week. Chapter 18 is all about Babylon too. So my official position on Babylon is that I don't have an official position, but I do have an opinion on it. And uh, I think my opinion makes more sense than anybody else's opinion. And if I didn't think that, then I would have that other person's opinion, then it would be my opinion too. Don't we all think our opinion makes more sense than anybody else's? So, anyway, I hope that was a help to you. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We pray You'll help us to uh, watch for these things. Lord, help us to uh, just uh, stop supporting our country when it uh, does wickedness, when it forces other nations into things. Lord, help us to uh, recognize these traits of Babylon that we see in our country and just stand against them and fight against it, speak against it. I pray You'll just wake up Baptists that are just uh, so anxious to just promote Israel and just uh, promote our country just doing wicked, uh, overreaching things. Dear God, I just uh, I ask that You'll help us to see these things for what they are and help us be ready for Your return. In Your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's